we've talked about two different parts of it, and I've just broken it into three parts. Maybe somebody would do more or less. But I believe that we don't always understand complete forgiveness. We think forgiveness is just saying, I forgive you. Or we think forgiveness is simply the penalty will be taken away, and that's it. But in Scripture, complete forgiveness is much, much more. And I broke it into three things, and I said, first, forgiveness is the release from the sin and its penalty. That's part one. But also, when we read Scripture, we see that with forgiveness came healing that was necessary, whether that's inside with the emotions or the mind or even physical. And then finally today, we're going to look at the fact that complete forgiveness, according to Scripture, also brings with it restoration and beyond. So that's what we're going to look at today. Because you see, when I go to my Bible, I find out that the Lord is a restorer. And he loves doing even more than we can ask or think. Look at Joel chapter 2 and 23 to 29. But before I go there, I'm just going to explain a little bit where it was to the verse I'm going to start because I didn't want to read the whole chapter. But you can read the whole chapter on your own of Joel chapter 2. But in this chapter, God is calling his people to fast and repent. And he actually tells the priests to weep between the outer porch and the altar. And he said to say, take words in prayer and say, spare your people. Don't let the heathen mock them or rule over them, saying, where is their God? Then God will answer. So, The reason I need you to understand that, because God called them to repent. And always before forgiveness, there needs to be an honest, you know, will you forgive me? A repentance, a turning. And so God is telling his people, can you do this? Now, interesting, isn't it, that prayer is the first thing. Prayer is the beginning of repentance. Prayer is the beginning of forgiveness. Prayer is still important. Somebody can say amen to that. Prayer is still important. It really is. You know, sometimes when trouble is brewing or there's been a year like this past year and you feel like you're running to make things work, prayer can get left a little bit to the side, can't it? Suddenly prayer's not the first thing anymore. It's the last thing if you're not too tired. But God wants us to make prayer the first thing. I've found out over the years... You want to see a miracle? Prayer is the first thing. You want to see your finances blessed? Prayer is the first thing. You want a healthy relationship? Prayer is the first thing. You feel that you're supposed to start a business? Prayer is the first thing. So I think you heard that, right? Prayer is important. You want to see family members saved? Prayer is the first thing. So even with repentance, prayer taking words is first. But God says if they would do that in verse 23, then this will happen. So be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floors will be full of wheat, and the vats will overflow with new wine and oil. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. The crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, and the chewing locusts, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be put to shame. There's a good verse right there. God doesn't put his people to shame. He says, call on me. I'm not going to let you be ashamed. You won't be put to shame. Then verse 27, you shall know that I'm in the middle of Israel. I'm the Lord your God and there's no other. My people shall never be put to shame. And 28, it will come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy.
prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my servants and my handmaids, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now, when you read through this, I was reading through that and it came to my mind, it's almost like one of those uh, commercials where they're trying to sell you something and you're like, you've got to get one of these chamois towels. And if you get the chamois towel now, just wait, that's not all. We'll throw in three of these thingermajingers. But <laughs> when you read this, it's like God saying that. That's not it. You repent. I've got good things, but there's more. Not only that, he says, I want to give back to you everything the enemy stole. Now, he was talking about their harvests and the, how the harvests were destroyed in the years past. And he says, I'm going to give it all back. What has the enemy stole from you? You come to God in repentance, and he says, I'm going to give it all back. There's actually scripture that says that the enemy had to repay seven times what was taken. Hey, that's good news for you and I. But God is not done even there. He says, you come to me, you repent and forgive. I take away the penalty. I give you back what you lost. And he says also, I want to pour out my spirit on you. I want to fill you to overflowing. You see, God is a restorer and he will take you beyond. Too many times people feel, well, I messed up. I asked forgiveness, but now I'll never be able to do what God wanted me to do. That's not true. You will be able to do what God wanted you to do if you have faith and you follow him because he's a good guy. God, and he will restore you and he will take you further than you thought you could go. How many know God doesn't ask you to do something that you can do all on your own? If he asked you only to do what you could do on your own, well, then maybe you can't do much. But he asks you to do what he can do through you. And God will work through you and he will take you farther than you could imagine. You just have to be willing. Ephesians 3 and verse 20 says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. You see, the God we serve wants to do more even than we can think. Don't limit him. Don't stop him. Don't cut him off. Believe him and step out. I've uh, been looking at some stories from scripture through the series, and one of them we've looked at is the prodigal son, and we're going to look at it again. But I've been kind of moving down through the story. You see, the prodigal son is... Jesus telling a parable to help people understand how the heavenly father forgives. And it's a great story. The prodigal son, as you know, he decided he wanted his inheritance while his father was still living. He said, give me my inheritance. He went out, he spent it, did everything wrong you could think of and lost everything, lost all his friends, his money. Well, the other way around, money first and then friends, that's how it goes. Ended up with the pigs starving and he came home to his father. Verse 20. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. You see, the son felt that he was no longer worthy, but the father said, no, no, no. If you've repented, I'll make you worthy again. And he gives him the robe, which shows his sonship. And but not only that, he gives him the ring, which gives him back his authority in the family. And he puts sandals on his feet, which proves that he is not a slave, but a member of the household. 
You see, God forgives completely and he restores. Now, we're going to continue the rest of the story here this morning because not everybody's okay with this, apparently. It says, meanwhile, the older son was in the field working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what was going on? Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back, after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. The older son was really upset about this. And the father answers him and said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life he was lost but now he is found church you and i need to be people who can celebrate those who come back we need to be willing to celebrate those who have got in a lot of trouble but have repented and are serving god again can you celebrate them or do you look through eyes of the religious prideful people who say never again Are you looking with the eyes of a Pharisee or through the eyes of Christ? Because Christ sees people that have repented as forgiven new creations, just like he sees you and I as new creations. Because we are called to forgive people just like Jesus did. Jesus forgave them and said the penalties dealt with, but he also brought healing to where they needed healing. Just like the prodigal son's father brought healing to his mind with his words and his actions. The son felt useless and unworthy, but he was later willing and ready to party in the celebration for him. In other words, the father brought healing to his mind. But the older son also needed the father's help, and he needed the father's help to get excited and celebrate people who are set free. Are we willing to do that? Are you willing to celebrate others even though you didn't mess up like them? I hope you are because I found out a long time ago that there are a lot of broken people out there who need Jesus. And if you and I can't love broken people, we might be missing the point of what Christianity is. We must love broken people. And here is the interesting thing. Every single person is broken in some way before they come to Christ. It's a fact. They're like, well, the people I work with look like they got it all together. That's the point. They look like they have it all together. Some people are great actors, but inside every person that has not yet received Christ is broken somehow. So how do you know that? I know that because the Bible says so. It says we've all sinned and fell short of the glory of God. All people need us to be willing to to show them the forgiveness of Christ, but also to forgive them here between you and I. Are you willing? I hope you're willing because Jesus said, if you can't forgive others, neither will your heavenly father forgive you. Oh my. Okay, I'm ready now, Lord. I'll do it. I'll forgive. We must forgive. But I believe it goes beyond just saying the words. It goes to a point where you are able to celebrate that person. Can you celebrate people who have done worse things than you? You know, we have it on a scale of this is not so bad sin. This is a really bad sin. This is a really bad sin. God just says it's sin. And all sin separates from him. There's not not so bad, 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 terrible, is there? But yet in our minds, that's how we do it, don't we? And if you just did the little bit bad, well, that's okay. 
we forgive you. But the really, if it's really bad, I don't know. If somebody has repented, somebody has asked forgiveness, then we forgive completely. Now, I want to say something about this because someone had asked the question actually after service here in the previous message. Well, what about if someone has really hurt me, but they still are dangerous and they could cause me harm. I said, well, in that case, you forgive them for you and you pray for them and you let God deal with it. Forgiving someone doesn't mean you let them repeatedly hurt you. Forgiving someone doesn't mean you open the door wide for more issues or problems, okay? So please understand, that's not what I'm saying here today. There may be some situations where it's that type of thing. Possibly someone is in an abusive marriage or something and they realize they needed to be safe. Forgiving them doesn't mean you quickly go back into abuse, okay? Now, if someone has repented and got set free and is a changed person, okay, maybe that's a different story. And with proper counseling, uh, something like that could also happen. So I just got to put that out there because some people don't realize what I mean when I'm saying this. But you got to understand that oftentimes as Christians, we'll hold unforgiveness to people for the craziest things. And pretty soon without realizing we have a list of people that we don't talk to or that we don't visit because they did us wrong at some point. I know people who there's certain stores they never go to anymore because somebody offended them at the store. So I don't go there anymore. Well, pretty soon you're going to run out of stores. I'm just saying. There's opportunity. The longer you remain in an area, there's op more opportunity to offend somebody or get offended. It's a fact. People do that, not even intentionally. So you need to learn how to forgive so you can live happy and go to whatever store you want in town. <laughs> Oh boy, that'll preach right there. We can be petty and crazy. Let's not do that. Let's just forgive quickly and enjoy this life that God has given us. Because being a forgiving person is way more enjoyable. And uh, life is worth enjoying. He put us here to enjoy it. Christians, don't keep a list, okay? I know nobody has an actual list. I hope you don't. But don't keep a list in your head of, they wronged me. Don't talk to them. Oh, yeah, that time five years ago, they did. Don't talk to that one. Pretty soon, you're going to get lonely. And your list will be so short that it's you and your spouse. And you'll be mad at them thinking, I don't know. Don't do it. Forgive quickly and forgive completely. Ephesians 4, 31 to 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. In other words, the same way Christ forgives, we're supposed to forgive. Can we do it? Yes, because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So yes, you can. Galatians 6, 1 to 3. Galatians 6, verse 1 to 3. My beloved friends, if you see a believer who is overtaken with a fault, the one who is in the spirit should seek to restore him in the spirit of gentleness. But keep watch over your own heart so that you won't be tempted to exalt yourself over him. Love empowers us to fulfill the law of the anointed one as we carry each other's troubles. If you think you're somebody too important to stoop down to help another, when really you're not, you're living in deception. Now that's the Passion Translation. It expands it a bit, but it's giving a clear picture of what that verse meant. When someone is overtaken in a fault or sin or something that's trapped, them, if you are spiritual, your job is not to thump them over the head. Now, I'm spiritual. I can't believe you did that. It says right here, 
That's not your job. According to scripture, you're supposed to be the one who restores them. So if you're actually spiritual, you go around and you help restore people, not push people down, not get angry, not tell them you should be more like me because I don't do that. No, restore them and restore them with a spirit of gentleness. Isn't that amazing how he words that? Did you know that when people have messed up really bad, They don't need one more person to tell them how terrible they are. If they're coming asking forgiveness, they already feel terrible. They need someone who can be gentle and help bring them back to a place with God where they're restored. Love empowers us to do it. Love empowers us to care about one another's troubles and issues. Do we care? I believe we do. And we looked at the story of Job as well. In Job 42 verse 10, we've looked through the story. We know how the story ends. Job is completely restored and it says given twice as much as before. That was in verse 10. So Job uh, 42 verse 10. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. And you can read the end of the chapter. Job blesses him double everything. So God restored him and took him beyond. And if you were here in the other two weeks when we shared this, you know Job also had to repent before God, even though he was almost perfect. He thought he was perfect. He was almost perfect, but he had a heart issue called pride, big time. And he had to repent before God, and God said, okay, I'm healing you, and I'm restoring you, and I'm taking you beyond. That's how good God is. And finally, let me look at one more story from Scripture that I believe is a great picture of how forgiving Christ is. And it's the story of Mary Magdalene in the New Testament. Mark chapter 16, verse 9 to 11. It says, after Jesus rose from the dead, early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping and told them what had happened. But when she told them that Jesus was alive and she had seen him, they didn't believe her. Now, interesting As we read this, the writer wants us to know who this Mary is. This is Mary who was so broken and messed up, she needed to be set free from seven demons. They want us to know this. She is also now the first person to go with the message that Jesus has risen from the dead. And if you read in one of the other New Testament Gospels, Jesus actually tells her, go tell the disciples. He could have used anybody, but he chose the most broken person that was in his group, broken before he healed. I believe he did that on purpose to show you and I that no matter how far down the enemy's taken us or how much we've messed up, if we'll come to him, yes, he can use us and he can use us mightily. He can use us amazingly if we're willing. Look at Luke chapter 8 with me for a minute and it says, it lists Mary here and I want you to see something. Luke 8, 1 to 3. Now it came to pass afterward that he, Jesus, that is, went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, Johanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. All right, many people don't realize that 
Mary Magdalene was part of Jesus' closest group, okay? In this verse, it just says the 12 and very specifically lists three women's names. So there were women in Jesus' close group. Now, they were not called apostles, but they were listed here, meaning they were part of his close team. Women who had needed some serious help before they met, before they met Jesus. Think about that for a minute. You know, we got to be honest. We all needed help before we met Jesus. Why now? do we think, oh, well, only certain people should probably, you know, serve God or do certain things? I don't think we can go there, can we? We don't have a right to because that not would disqualify us. If we're going to disqualify others from serving God, from doing great things for God, then we're going to automatically disqualify ourselves. I don't think that's a good idea. How about we let God decide who he wants to use or not? I think he's good at choosing, isn't he? Scripture says that he decided to choose the weak things to confess found the wise. Things that are nothing to bring to nothing, things that seem to be something. God chooses who he wants. And friends, he chooses people who needed help. Mary Magdalene was not just forgiven and healed. She was also given a position among Jesus's closest few. You see, God restores and takes you beyond. I don't know what you believe God can do with you, all I can tell you this is he can do way more than you believe right now. And if you can grasp that, you'll begin to do more than you're doing now. He can use you. Turn to somebody and say, he can use you. He can use you. Jesus is in the business of forgiving, healing, and restoring broken people. Look at Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Luke 4, 18 to 19. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus talking. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus was anointed to bring healing, victory, freedom to people who were messed up. He said it himself, I'm like a doctor and sick people need a doctor. Jesus came to help people. You and I are no different and if we're truly going to help people, we must know how to forgive and we must know how to forgive completely. Forgiving only with words will still cause you to walk around with bitterness and anger. Forgive completely from your heart. Be willing to bring healing with your words and actions and be willing to gently restore people. And restoring people can take work and time, but be willing to do it, okay? Be willing. You see, Jesus is here with us right now. Jesus is willing and ready to heal people, to forgive people, to restore people. If you need forgiveness, if you need healing, if you need restoration, Jesus is here to do it. He loves you more than you can even imagine. 